What up, guys? Before we start today's episode, I wanted to share out a very quick announcement. Today is Donation Day! It is the first episode of the new month, and as you guys know from past episodes, we've started the Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can search Wanderer Lost to pledge. And each pledge, $1 from each pledge, goes towards a charity, um, a different charity every month, and that sort of thing. So we're trying to raise awareness, trying to um, really stir up that that inspiration there. So this month we are donating to the Leatherback Trust. Uh, they are a 501c organization in Tamarindo, Costa Rica that are working to save the lives of the Leatherback sea turtles. Um, one thing that is so sad to me is that the population, the specific population of Leatherback sea turtles has suffered just the most over the last 20 years. They estimate that as few as 2,300 adult females now remain. And that basically makes the Pacific Leatherback the world's most endangered marine turtle population. That is just heartbreaking. Um, I have swam with turtles before, not in captivity, just out in the ocean while snorkeling and that sort of thing. And they are so amazing. Um, How long they live, what they do, that they return to their nesting place is just so amazing. And it makes me so sad that we are where we are now, where there is so much pollution, there is climate change, nest disturbance, the fishing, development that are just endangering these poor animals. So we today are able to donate $15 towards the cause. Now that is with a decent chunk of my own, my own cash. So if you guys are interested in pledging and in learning more about different charity organizations, please check out the Patreon. That is where we do all of the donation. So again, every dollar from each pledge goes to a different charity every month. Um, A little excerpt from the Leatherback Trust. Uh, They basically talk about the different threats that these leatherback turtles face. And for example, a nest that eludes poachers may produce a hatchling lucky enough to avoid ingesting plastics as she searches for food in the ocean eddies. The turtle will need to avoid entanglement in fishing gear as she migrates over long distances in search of jellyfish. If she survives the 15 to 25 years it will take her to reach sexual maturity and successfully finds a mate in the open ocean, she will try to return to her natal beach to nest. But lights along the coast, like development, like beach homes, things like that, or debris on the beach could deter her from nesting. And the nest that she lays may be washed away as the sea levels rise or dug up by unleashed dogs. The eggs might be poached by collectors, eaten by raccoons, or cooked alive as beach temperatures rise. Hatchlings disoriented by lights on shore may not reach the water and face a higher risk of dehydration and predation during this critical period. So this is a really big deal that our world is facing, that these turtles are facing, and there are a ton of different organizations around the world that you guys can check out and donate. But the Leatherback Trust does seem to be pretty active on social media, which is inspiring because you can take a look at it a lot. Definitely check them out. Again, check out the Patreon if you're interested in pledging, if you're interested in getting that exclusive content. Thanks so much, guys. And now, without further ado, episode four. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to episode 14 of Wanderwear Lost. I'm your Wanderlust host, Allie, and today I have a very special guest for you guys. I'm super excited. Uh, He's very well versed in the research knowledge. Uh, In fact, his job is a research manager for the state of Nevada. He's smart, special, so kind. In fact, he's my husband, Kyle. Hey, babe. That was probably uh, 
a much better introduction than I deserve, but thank you. No, very, very uh, under-deserved. I feel like you, I could have done better. I could have done better. No, I think that was, that was the top of what you could have done. No, I'm a little disappointed with myself. But I'm very excited that you're on. Um, you've been a little reluctant to come on in the past, but I feel like we found a topic that you're actually pumped about. Yeah, and I, I'll say this right off the bat. This is not the most scientific way of going about uh, researching. Well, should we say what the desk, what the topic is? Yeah. So today, guys, instead of talking about a specific subject or um, a specific country, my lovely husband has put together a list of the top 10 travel destinations. I'm going to say that again, the top 10 travel destinations. So basically he has done a lot of research on this. I, we will figure out exactly how he came to these conclusions soon. I actually have no insight into any of this. So along with you guys, I'm going to be learning things too. Yeah, and so I guess I can talk about how I came up with the top 10 right now. Again, not the most scientific way of doing it. If we wanted to get like a true top 10, I can come back on maybe, or I can, I need to devote more time to it. But basically what I did was I went to six different websites that ranked the top travel destinations in the world. And whoever got the most mentions or the, the destinations that got the top 10 most mentions made the list. So that's roughly how it was done. I didn't, um, so the websites had to rank certain destinations. They had to have at least 20 destinations ranked because I only took the top 20. And what was the other criteria? Um, the other criteria was that it had to be like top 10 travel destinations in the world, not like top 10 travel or top travel destinations of 2020 because that could get a little too trendy. So just one of the top 20 overall destinations. The list is I mean, even though it's not the best methodology, it does kind of makes sense. So I also anyway. feel like it's a pretty subjective, uh, like study. Yeah. I I don't feel like you can really know the top ten travel destinations. Like, yeah, it's definitely they they pertain to what your interests are and what your what your travel needs. habits are. Yeah. yeah. So like, if you're a super adventurous traveler and you don't want to go places of convenience, you know, like there might be something on this list that isn't for you. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea what the list is. Yeah, if you're in Dayton, maybe Cleveland is your top destination. That didn't make any <laughs> mentions in the, any of the sites. Dayton, Nevada? No, Dayton, Ohio. Oh. What? That, that, it, it was an obscure. Okay. okay. An obscure All right. destination, but... Another super quick call out for you guys, though, too. We are on dog duty tonight, which means normally we kick the dogs out of the room so it's super quiet and you guys don't hear anything. Fingers crossed. But with the wonderful husband in here tonight, that means that nobody is here to watch the dogs. And we are also pet sitting this adorable little puppy. Her name's Tessie. Um, and she is wandering, wandering around being a true wanderer lost dog, just getting into all sorts of mischief. She's wandering sniffs. Wandering sniffs. Sniffs that wander. <laughs> the sniffs that talk. Anyway, keep that in mind. If you do hear anything, I apologize. I'm going to try to edit out as much as I can. Uh, but there will be times when it's just, I just can't do it. Speaking of wandering sniffs, it's time for wandering sips. It's wandering sips. It's the sips. Wandering sips that talk. Wandering. Sipping while you're wandering. Wandering sips. 
one thing that is interesting with today's topic, since there isn't a specific country of origin or anything like that, I don't have a special cocktail. I'm so sorry, babe. That's okay. I prefer beer anyway, so. That is true. You hate cocktails. So, with that in mind, uh, we did grab um, a, an imported beer for you. It's an Italian beer. And it seems like it should be pretty good. Um, let's clink glasses and take a sip, eh? Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. I oh, like that it. makes me really excited because I actually bought this. And as you guys know, I'm not big on beer. So I'm super pumped that it was something that I found. Um, and it's Trey Fontaine. Yep. Cool. Yeah, I think that uh, it... It should be pretty good because it was like ten ninety nine for one bottle of, of this beer. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely... You bought me two Italian beers. This one is definitely better than the other one. Hell yeah. So, yeah. Really good. <gasps> cool. I'm really sad about this. I am on antibiotics, so I can't actually drink. <laughs> it's Ky- sad. Yeah. Kyle's just giving me a look now. I'm being overdramatic. Um, so I have sparkling cider. Delicious. I'm just kidding. I actually do really love sparkling cider. Um, I could probably drink like three or four bottles of it in a single night um, by myself. Yeah. But without further ado, let's get onto your list. So did you rank it? Like, how did you rank it? Like, is number one, like the number one spot to go? So are we going to count down from 10? Yes, we're going to count down from 10. Um, Basically, what I did is, um, because there are a few destinations that that are tied with how many times they were mentioned. So again, I looked at six websites. If one web or if one destination had five mentions out of the six websites, or say two destinations had five out of the six, whatever their average rank was, whoever had a higher average rank on those two destinations got ranked higher. So that's kind of how I did it. Okay. Cool. So, I like it. I like yeah. that. So we're actually going to start with number eleven as an honorable mention. An honorable because, mention. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> there were a lot of destinations that had three mentions out of the six websites. This one was not ranked super highly on average. Um, and this destination is San Francisco. Oh, San Fran! The so. Cisco! People hate that. Like, locals hate that. I'm, that's kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, San Francisco, honorable mention, but you didn't make the top ten. So, um, can we just like discuss for a second though? Because I do actually love San Francisco. I know that they it gets like a lot of heat sometimes, especially for like how it's kind of been let go in all the non-touristy areas. But as like a city, it's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and it is one of the few destinations on this list that we've both been to. Yeah, um, I mean the, the they also have food from just kind of all over, and the food is always like so good. Especially if you get some seafood, you know, that sort of thing. Like, it's delicious. Yeah. So, I'm a big fan of San Francisco. Golden Gate Park is amazing. Alcatraz, I've always wanted to do that spooky tour, but I've never actually done it. Um, But, and I mean, of course, like, the Golden Gate Bridge is pretty iconic. Just, you know, walking across it and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, On a foggy day, I guess maybe it could be hit or miss. But on those clear, sunny days, it is just breathtaking. Yeah. It's a very beautiful city, but... The last time we went, or one of the last times we went, it was kind of underwhelming in the sense that we had to walk from our hotel to Hamilton. 
Oh, yeah, we went and saw Hamilton. And it, it was kind of sketchy, even though it was during the day. Like, I didn't feel super safe walking around there, and it kind of smelled a little bit. Well, so. I think we were also in not one of the best areas of town, but I picked a hotel that was just, like, really close to yeah. SHN, yeah. which is where we saw Hamilton. Well, and the hotel was really nice. Yeah, the hotel itself was fabulous. But, yeah. Fabulous. So, again, San Francisco didn't make the top ten. But still, cool, cool kind of destination. Sad. I think yeah. it's worth checking out, especially like some of the cousins um, are coming. You know this in June, July-ish. And they're hitting up to San Francisco first because they're flying into it. Mm-hmm. And so if you're flying in, I kind of feel like it's worth a, a, a day check out. You know, check it out. See the sights go around. I mean, yeah. it has so much history to offer. Mm-hmm. It's a city of hills. Yeah. Yeah. I'll also say Reno got zero mentions across all the websites. <laughs> Vegas shocker. Vegas got one. So Nevada got one mention. Okay. So. But still, I mean like Vegas. I don't know. I don't know why people love Vegas so much. I can see it as an iconic destination. I could see it as the place that you go like a couple times in your life. I feel like we might be a little bit more immune to it just because we go there so often. Well, and we grew up, like mainly grew up in Reno, which is a gambling 24-7 town. Yeah. So for us going to Vegas, it's like there are some really cool things that we don't have in Reno, but we could also just stay in Reno and do pretty much the same thing. But if you're an international traveler, Vegas is probably something you've never really seen like before. And so it's, I can see how it would be super cool for like an international and and even domestic travelers. It's it's a cool spot. It's a cool destination. Yeah. I mean, it is really cool. There are, there are really cool things out there. um, Like the Hoover Dam and you have those colored rocks. What are they called? Oh, the um, Seven Magic Mountains? Yes. The Seven Magic Mountains in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, they were set up by a Swiss artist, I guess. And he spent five years creating them. So that's, I mean, that's pretty cool. And it's 20 miles south of the Vegas Strip. So it's something that, I mean, I personally haven't seen in person. I should, we should fix that. Because I would actually like to see those. I think they look pretty awesome. But do you know off the top of your head how much revenue Vegas brings in for the state revenue in terms of how much people spend yeah uh it's around 36 billion dollars um that's kind of what we estimate and that's for clark county not necessarily las vegas um but it's vegas brings in most of that so a lot of a lot of spending jesus brings in a lot of revenue for the state that's insane and that's in a year right yeah (laughs) oh my god that's crazy. So that's basically anyone that goes and stays in hotels, stays or uh, gambles, that sort of thing. Like those are that's the that's what your calculating is or yeah. what the the state's calculation is. Yeah, it's it's a third party firm, but it's it, it's it's what a visitor spends. It's, that's insane. Yeah. So it's not non-local spending, but yeah. Insane. Okay, so what is number 10? So number 10 is Maldives, which is... Oh, the Maldives. Yeah. The Maldives. I I don't know how to pronounce it, really. I'm guessing Maldives. And it's technically a country. So it's not... All the rest are going to be cities. This one is technically a country. Um, So I didn't really know much about the Maldives before looking into this. Um, It had three mentions out of all the websites. And its average rank was 11.7. So decently ranked. Um... Did you sound like you know something about the Maldives? Um, well, I know them to the extent of they're kind of like an infamous or they're, they're kind of like famous islands in 
this Asia, South of Asia. Yeah, South Asia. Yeah. yeah. So, like, their explore, their like main site, the visit Maldives is. Welcome to the Maldives, where sands are white as the smiles of the locals, where fish swim happily in the warm waters of the Indian Ocean, where the weather is a dream and the deep rays of the sun wait to engulf you in their arms. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, and so I did my research, um, like, for the individual locations for On Lonely Planet. Okay. And the pictures on Lonely Planet look fantastic. And they, they're... They claim that Maldives is, na- quote-unquote, nature's sunken garden. Ooh. So um, I guess there's, like, a lot of wildlife. Um, like, there's great snorkeling. Um, so, like, um, underneath the ocean uh, uh, or the surface of the ocean, there's a lot of activity. Um, and I didn't know this, but it's it consists of 1,200 islands. Holy crap. Which is, yeah. <laughs> That's kind 1200? of... 1,200? Yeah, it's kind of almost 1,200. It's kind of unfathomable in a way. How do you know which one to go to? Um, well, I guess some are more developed than others. Some are more popular than others. Um, okay. I'm looking at pictures right now and I do see that there's like this, there's like a teeny tiny little thing that's probably the size of our neighborhood maybe. Yeah. So, and it doesn't like, there's some boats and stuff, but yeah. Okay. I can, I can get, see what you mean. Yeah. And let, let uh, lonely planet says that, uh, the sand is pristine, the, the, and, and it's white, the water is crystal clear blue. So that's kind of what sets it apart from maybe some other Island destinations is just how pristine it is. Um, and the top things to do, um, based on Lonely Planet, um, do we want to do the top three things per destination? Yeah, top, top three sounds good. So, the... the Snorkeling. That's my guess. Well, number three is watching a Bodu Buru performance. I, I know I'm pr- not pronouncing that right. So, some sort of, like, local... Yeah, it's the cultural highlight of any trip, um, com- uh, from Lonely... From what Lonely Planet says... Um, and it's basically like a, a dance and drum performance. Oh, cool. They say they're thrilling and genuine. I think they can kind of happen um, kind of anywhere you go. So that's kind of cool. Um, number two, is, which is I think is super cool. I don't think I would do it. It's a little more adventurous than I think I would prefer. But it's diving with hammerhead sharks. Ooh, that sounds thrilling and terrifying at the same time. Yeah, I guess hammerhead sharks are pretty prevalent if you know where to go. Like they're not... I don't think they're like right off the coast of any island, but if you kind of know where to go and dive, they're pretty prevalent. And I don't think you like free dive. I think you're kind of encapsulated in like a cage, oh. like that sort of thing. So I don't think you're just wandering around with with sharks. But if you're in a cage, I'd do it. Yeah, yeah. I still get kind of antsy. I guess I don't know. Um, but the number one thing to do is um, visit the Maldivian capital, which is male. Male? Maybe Molly. Um, M-A-L-E. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, but apparently it's the best place to get to know the locals. It's not super tu- touristy. The houses are brightly painted. There's got a lot of... Well, they have a lot of well-attended markets and tea shops. Um, and it's perfect complement to the resort experience. So it sounds like most of the islands are very resorty and touristy, whereas the capital might be more local-driven. And so that's that's the number one thing to do. I feel like this is a great destination for anyone that's looking to go on like a honeymoon that still has um, a lot of culture and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what it kind of sounds like. One thing really quick that I just found just looking it up because I'm also doing that at the same time. um, Just a quick like kind of tip. Instead of flying straight 
from home to Mali or however you say it, the, the capital, the, the flights can top $1,000. So instead of flying straight there, there's a suggestion to extend your stay and do like a long weekend somewhere in a European city that has a budget carrier. Um, so like Condor, which flies out of Frankfurt, or Neos, um, which has a hub in Milan. So uh, there's a lot of like search engines that don't bundle those fares and you know, you'd have to do a lot of like separate searching, but I feel like that would totally be worth it and make it a pretty fairly inexpensive trip because I've always thought of going to the Maldives as being expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the Maldives. Cool. Should we go to number nine? Yeah, let's hear number nine, man. Keep it rolling. All right. Number nine is Bali. Ooh, Bali. I want to go there too. I just want to go everywhere. Yeah, Bali seems... Very cool in that it, there seems like it seems like there's a ton of stuff you can do there. Like you're not limited by, like the Maldives are very beach, very resort. Bali seems like you have beaches, you have resorts, but you also have a bunch of other things too. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I've always believed of Bali. Um, you know, it's uh, in Indonesia for anyone who doesn't know, but it's very forested, volcanic mountains. Um, there's like the rice paddies. I don't know if you've ever like seen pictures of the rice paddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- I think the other thing too, is that, uh, Bali is really cool because it seems like there's a lot to do. So they they have like the beaches, they have the tropical sort of thing, um, from pictures. And I know they're completely different from, but from pictures, it reminds me of the sort of activities that you could also find in like Costa Rica. Yeah. Yeah, I think Costa Rica is a good um, analogy. It's a good analogous destination to, to Bali. Um, Lonely Planet also said one thing that separates Bali apart is that the locals are really friendly and really warm and welcoming to visitors. Um, so that's always something to consider when you're traveling to a foreign country because a lot of times you're not going to speak the local des- or the local language. Um, and so having locals that are really w- willing to help is super comforting, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, it's called, like, the land of gods, if I remember right. So, like, that's pretty cool, too. Yeah. It's just, it's so beautiful that that's what they they call it. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think that having, like, a nice local, like, meeting nice people, it's something that, yeah, you can do anywhere. You can find nice people anywhere you go. But knowing that, like, everyone's nice is just so comforting like going to costa rica we heard that everyone was like so nice and friendly and everything like that and they were they absolutely were and it made the trip so much easier Mm -hmm. yeah especially for people who don't like us who don't speak a lot of spanish um we Mm -hmm. kind of enough enough to get by but we can't really like get in full-blown conversations and know exactly what the other person is saying so for them to be willing to share the burden in that is was really helpful yeah definitely so what's number eight well, we got to do top three things. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I already forgot, apparently. Okay. So number three is... Uh, go- Serving. No, going to a spa. Um, <laughs> so apparently they've got great spas in Bali. Um, some are more traditional, I guess, in the sense that they... Um, you know, they're, they're great, but there's nothing super unique about them, maybe. I mean, they're all unique, but they offer great views, like they're in the forest or whatever. Like, I guess going to a spa is a really big thing there, um, so that's number three. Number two is going to uh, the Bakit Peninsula. I know, again, I'm pronouncing that wrong, um, but the beach is there, which... So this is the west coast of, in, uh, of Bali, I believe, and it's dotted with idyllic beaches, um, where you can surf or just, you know, enjoy your time on the beach, get a tan, 
probably get something to drink too. So that looks super cool just because, I mean, the pictures made it seem really great. Mm -hmm. The number one thing to do is um, witness the Bali processions. Apparently in these processions, a crowd of really elegantly dressed people come by and they're wearing, and this is a Lonely Planet description, um, but they're wearing pyramids of fruit and furred masked mythical creature looking things. Um, and so it's a temple procession. It can happen almost anywhere and kind of instantaneously, and it can disappear just as suddenly as it appears. Like flash mobs? Yeah, I think sort of like a flash mob. Interesting. So I, I guess it's a really cool cultural thing to see there too, kind of like the last example in the Maldives. It looks like the people are wearing like a headdress that's kind of, I don't, re I don't really know how you describe it. It kind of reminds me of like, gosh, I don't know. There's a lot of flowers and, um, you know, like that sort of thing. They kind of, it almost looks like they carry them, like, like how people used to carry like fruit and things like that yeah. on top of their heads. Yeah. Almost kind of like that. Probably a bout of the culture and the heritage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's the number one thing to, to see there. Um, and you can't really control that. So I guess it makes it even more special when you see yeah. it. I wonder this the spas though, like that makes me think of the Tabacon spa in Costa Rica that we went yeah. to. Mm -hmm. That was incredible. So like we're not usually ones for going to spas when we're on trips, um, just because we're way too busy for that. And also I think we both kind of like don't love the spa experience that much. Yeah, plus I mean it takes a couple hours to get from start to finish. That's a big part of your day. Yeah, like that's a huge part. You could be climbing the steps to the I don't know, the Duomo. We'll use that for example since we're going in March. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think that it's hard to justify going to a spa, but when we were on our honeymoon, we did. It was a huge thing that I really wanted to do. And they had this private cabana. Would mm -hmm. you call it a cabana? Yeah. Okay, so they have, like, a private cabana in the jungle, so you're isolated from everyone else. And we did a couple's massage, so they came in, they got us, we went out there. Um, we had this amazing couple's massage, like... There's only one person in the States that I like massages from. And so I was a little skeptical, but this person was absolutely phenomenal. Like, it was just so good. Yeah. And the music and the whole experience, like, they did a whole kind of, like, ritual type of type of thing. And then after that, we had a milk bath. And we just hung out completely naked with each other in the middle of nowhere, middle of the jungle. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, eating fruit, sipping sips. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, that was great. So I, I find it really hard, or it's really hard for me to imagine anything else topping that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now what is number eight? Number eight is Bora Bora. Oh, okay, Bora Bora. You know, I actually don't really know that much about Bora Bora. Yeah, I didn't really know anything about it um, before this search. Um, so it had three mentions, again, out of the six websites. Its average rank was 7.3, so decently high ranked out of the three sites. Uh, that it was mentioned on. Um, and yeah, I didn't really know a lot about Bora Bora. Uh, Lonely Planet describes it as um, two things. One, Bora Bora is palm trees and starlight, which makes it sound super romantic. And two, it says that Bora Bora is infinite shades of blue. And that kind of um, alludes to the, uh, I believe that the waters around Bora Bora. Um, um, so it's, uh, again, another tropical type destination. It's in the French Polynesia. Lonely Planet also describes it as the stuff of dreams. And as you arrive by plane, you can kind of tell why, because it looks so idyllic. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, again, I didn't know much about it, but I kind of want to go to it. 
after researching it. So what you're saying is honeymoon number two. Well, Lonely Planet said it's a top honeymoon choice because of all the stuff you can do there. It seems, again, like another Costa Rica type destination where it's you can do stuff on the beach, you can do stuff in the rainforest. Um, so it's it's like t- you're in two worlds almost. Well, and looking at pictures here too, I have actually seen a ton of pictures of Bora Bora. Um, they're the 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 location that has like the little houses on stilts that are like technically in the water yeah. mm-hmm. and i've seen pictures of those on instagram like a hundred thousand times mm-hmm. but they look so amazing yeah it looks very peaceful very relaxing um i guess the big things to do there are the outdoor activities which is not surprising so diving snorkeling um, going on a lagoon tour which sounds super interesting hiking parasailing all those sorts of you know, outdoor activities. It does say, though, that it's not a... It's a quiet island, so it's not a party. Oh, that's it, perfect for us. We're old people. Yeah. If you're not looking to party... Or if you're looking to party, Bora Bora is not for you. Ugh. Looking at these pictures, too, like, the the like the like snorkeling looks like it would be absolutely amazing. Like, the yeah. fish are bright and colorful. The you know, water it's is like, clear. Yeah, the water is, like... Like, are you even underwater? It doesn't even look like it. Yeah, it looks super cool. Um... So, yeah, I don't know if it's it's located in the Pacific Ocean, kind of between Australia and South America. And it's really, when you look at it on a map and you, like, zoom out, it's you can't even see it if you're looking at, like, a global view, um, at least on Google Maps. So it seems like it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I kind of love that a lot. Um, I really do want to look into going there. <laughs> Well, because we always go to, we go to Europe so much, and I love it so much. But Costa Rica was amazing. And to go somewhere kind of like that, but still have, like, the cultural aspect and everything like that would just be so fun. Yeah. You know, I think that would be awesome. Even if we went for, like, five days. I'd be okay with that. Five days. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. And it does seem, like, super peaceful, super relaxing. Very much, like, almost otherworldly in how, like, idyllic and tropical it is. That seems awesome. And it sounds like dry season is May through August. So our typical like summer is when you'd want to go. But, you know, we always try to go kind of on off season, like within a month or two of of dry season, but kind of on off. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, this is scary. Flights from New York generally are like 1700 to 2500. Um, Oh, but flights departing from the West Coast are cheaper. Not by much. They're fifteen hundred to two thousand. Still a bit pricey, which I can see why. It's a small island, probably super high demand for it. I wonder if long you, travel distance. Yeah, I wonder if you could also use the same sort of like uh, thought process in going to Maldives. Thank you. Yes, um, and getting a flight somewhere like a long layover type thing. Yeah. So do we want to talk about the top things to do in yeah. Bora Bora? Let's so, give, me, give me number three. So number three is hiking to the top of Mount Pahia, which um, I think is the highest point of Bora Bora. Um, apparently offers great views of of the island. Um, are you pulling up pictures of it? Oh, yeah, I am. And they are beautiful. Yeah, that's... This is the type of thing that I feel like Campbell would love. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's number three or, uh, yeah, number three, number two is working on your tan on the idyllic Matera beach, which 
personally, um, you know this, I don't <laughs> really like just sitting on a beach doing nothing. I know you don't. So, and I also don't, I hate getting sunburned. That's one of my biggest, uh, I don't know, things I like to try to avoid. That's well, bad for you too. Yeah. Um, Plus I burn super easy. I know. We both do. Uh, I mean, it's why you always wear a long sleeve, but this beach, like the sand is just white. Yeah. It's gorgeous looking. Like I would be fine walking along there, maybe taking like a picnic and sitting in the shade of the, the trees. Yeah. Um, Cause it looks like there's shade and stuff like that. I think that it, it seems like, and this is just for us, be, just because we're not so much the tropical type as we are more like the adventurous, the culture or like, you know, that sort of thing. It, from looking at the pictures and kind of hearing about the top things to do, I do feel like Bora Bora would be a type of trip that we would really only want to go for like five actual days yeah. with like two or three travel days in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I mean, it sounds awesome. Yeah, it sounds really cool. Um, again, I, it seems like it's very much uh, a re- resort, beach, tropical destination, which Costa Rica was kind of that way. Not so much the resort part, at least the places that we went, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big beach person, so I don't know if I could take much more than five days of kind of just laying around on a beach and doing the resort thing. But Yeah, and on, on second thought too, like with the with the price of tickets, I feel like to make it worth going there. And again, this is subjective. This is just for us to make it worth going there. We would need to maybe be also trying to go somewhere that's like not nearby, but somewhere we could like make the cost of the tickets sort of worth it. Yeah. But I would be like, I do want to go there someday. Like it seems super cool. Um, the number one thing to do is take a boat tour on the blue lagoon, which we both get seasick. So again, that's (laughs) not really too much of an option for us, but um, yeah, if you're into that sort of thing, that's seen, it's the top thing to do according to Lonely Planet. Well, and also, you know, we happened to go on a boat tour when it was a little bit more choppy. It was not a very good experience. I think we both would get seasick even if it wasn't super choppy. But just knowing that maybe something we could also try to do in the future is like wait until the day of to book things yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not choppy, maybe we take a bit of a, a risk and, and try to do it. But yeah, yeah. So what's number seven? Number seven is Sydney, Australia. Oh. Wait. <laughs> what, what, why that reaction? <laughs> Sydney seems awesome. So Sydney seems awesome, but from every single person I have talked to that have that's been to Australia, um, even Ben, who was on uh, the podcast a few episodes ago, said that basically it's like living in the States, but with accents. Yeah, I can see that. Um Based on what Lonely Planet says, it's a very modern city. It's a city that um, it kind of pushes the limits of, I don't really know how to say this, but it's like, it describes Sydney as being in your face, um, being uncompromising, like Sydney is kind of what it is. Um, But you can do a ton of stuff there. Like if you you want to go to the beach, you can go to the beach. If you want to party, they've got a lot of party stuff. It's got great food. Like, it is kind of like the New York of Australia. Um, I will say one thing that I read, and I don't know how true this is, because I've never been there, but it's um, Australia, as we know, is kind of, how do I say this? It's, uh, there's a lot of animal life in Australia. Spideys. Yeah, it's very wild, I guess, from what we've heard. Um, And from what Lonely Planet says, Sydney is 
the urban version of that where like Sydney, there's a bunch of like parks in the city and kind of outside the city. Um, but that also means that critters are kind of prevalent there. So a couple examples they gave was that clouds of flying foxes pass overhead, which I think means bats. I'm not sure. I'll look that um, up. So clouds of flying foxes pass overhead at twilight. Oversized spiders stake out corners of lounge room walls. Like the huntsman spiders? Yeah, and possums rattle over rooftop houses. So it, is, it seems like it's, it's a very urban, very modern city, but there's also could be some wildlife even within the city, which is um, an Australian staple. So, Yeah, flying foxes, it looks like they're pretty much like bats. But here's like a picture of a tree and in every single branch they are hung upside down. Like yeah. that is intense. Yeah. So anyway, um, Sydney, I really want to go to Sydney someday. It looks super cool, super modern. Um, again, it's got pretty much anything you can think of wanting to do there. Um, and it looks just very um, sleek, very clean. The I people think seem really cool. Just like what terrifies me is here's a huntsman spider. And just as a reference for you, it is taking yeah. up, like, the top quarter, very easily quarter, of a door. Yeah. Huge. Like, that's insanely terrifying. Now, I don't know if those are in Sydney, per se, but... Um, I don't know. But that does not seem like something I'd want to do. Yeah. I don't, like, I'm fine with, like, I'm, fi I'm fine with insects. I'm fine with wildlife. Um, you know, especially if I'm outside. If I'm outside, I kind of feel like I'm in their domain. You know, I will try to be as out of the way as I can be and respect them and watch them. And, you know, I'm not going to kill them if they're outside. But if they are in my house or in my room, mm -hmm. especially a spider that big, I would freak the fuck out. Yeah. And there was this, oh, crazy travel story, Costa Rica. But we went to Monteverde and um, it's the cloud forest in Costa Rica. And the Airbnb we're staying at was so cute, but it was practically a treehouse. Mm -hmm. Monteverde, for people who don't know, it kind of looks like the Emperor's New Groove, like that yeah, sort of setting. Yeah, it, it did remind us a lot of that. But the first night, like, so it was it was magical. We were sitting there in the trees, and the birds were singing, and it was, it was great. And we had the windows open, but they had fly screens on them. So, you know, we didn't think much of it. And the first night... We're going to bed. Um, we had left open one of the windows, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but we closed the like the porch door and everything like that. And we were going to bed. And we, I think we were reading. And like there was a light that we left on. And all of a sudden, mo moths just start darting around the room. And like, <laughs> I think we were up for another hour because I forced you to catch each one and mm -hmm. put it outside. Yeah. Which moths, I'm okay with. If it was... Other more tropical insects might have been a different story, but I also am the type of person who doesn't like to kill things. Like, mm. I don't like to kill insects even, so I trap them and then I release them. So, yeah, it takes it takes more time than if you're just trying to kill them. Right, and I appreciate you for that. I don't like it in the moment because I just want them out of my face. Yeah. See, I was, I was pretty okay with it until they, like, dive-bombed my head. Yeah, that was a little bit much. Yeah, and then I was like, okay, nope, enough, enough. Yeah. So I, it, just the fact that that happened in Costa Rica and they were small bat bugs, like it does scare me thinking about going to Australia where they are giant. Yeah, and if we were in more rural Australia, I'm sure they would be huge. Sydney, again, I don't know how big they are, how much, how, how prevalent the wildlife is. 
Another thing that Lonely Planet kind of mentioned about Sydney is it's it's kind of uh, it does things its own way and kind of bigger than other places. So the examples it gives, and this might be a bit um, superlative, is <laughs> that's a really bad way of saying it. But um, they say that Sydney is loud and uncompromising and in your face. Fireworks are more dazzling. Heels are higher. Bodies are more buffed and contact sports are more brutal. So it seems like it's culture, but elevated. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, it kind of sounds like SoCal. Mm, yeah, in a way. In a way. Yeah. Interesting. What are the top three things to do there? So top three things. Number three is Bondi Beach. Bondi Beach. Don't know how to pronounce that. Um, it's from Lonely Planet's perspective, one of the world's greatest beaches. And it's the beach most close to the city center. Now, that also means it's going to be super crowded. I don't think, like, if I were going to Sydney, I'd probably try to find a less crowded beach. Um, but it looks really cool, so. Yeah, it looks, it kind of reminds me almost, um, looking at pictures of, uh, what was the main, like, the Barcelona beach, Barcelona or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, it, it looks, in the picture, it looks crowded. It is um, a huge beach, though. But it is huge. But, again, we don't really go to the beach to, like, lay there. I like to lay in the sun for, like, maybe an hour or so. And then I'm pretty over it. Like, I don't want to get really burned. Yeah. I just like to soak up that vitamin D. Well, plus, like, if I'm sitting on the beach, I get super tired really easily. So. Yeah. Dehydrated. Yeah, it kind of ruins the rest of your day. Yeah. From my perspective. No, I agree. Number two is Harbor National Park. Okay. Um, I didn't do a whole lot of research on this. Um, I think it's within the city. I could be wrong, though. It looks like it's on the water. Okay. Yeah. I don't really see, like, right off the bat much information about it. It looks like it's a cool park. Yeah. Um, and it's on the water, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, I would go there if I were in Sydney. Um, the number one experience is the Sydney Opera House. Oh, which, of course. You know, that's that's to be expected. So. That would be amazing. I, yeah. I would love to go to the Sydney Opera House. Mm-hmm. That's about the only thing I have an interest in doing in yeah. Sydney, in Australia, period. Again, I I would love to travel to Sydney one day. Hopefully it happens. It takes a long time to get there. 24 hours is a long time to be in the air. Yeah, so we'll see. It's not like on my immediate list of places, but I do want to travel there someday. Yeah. Plus it'd be another continent to knock off the list. So. It's, it's true, it's true. I'd go... But I'd only go if we have been to, like, all the other really cool places we'd want to go to. Like, I'd rather go to Bora Bora. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's that's Sydney. What is number six? So number six is a destination I'd never really heard of before. Um, Interesting. It made number six. It made number six. It was mentioned three times throughout the sites, throughout the six websites. Its average rank was 6.3. So it was ranked highly on the three websites it was listed on. It's called Marrakesh. It's in Morocco. Um, it's a uh, kind of an ancient city, it seems like. Um, very steeped in culture and religion. Um, very different from all the other destinations in the list, so that kind of makes it unique. Oh, it's a major economic center. Mm-hmm. Is that why you like it? I think the <laughs> economics part of it deals with the markets that are in Marrakesh. That's like most of what Lonely Planet talked about. Um Again, I'd never really heard of it before, um, but it seems very cultural. It's It seems like it's the most, it has the most culture of any of the destinations 
on the list, in my opinion. Um, but uh, again, it's in Morocco. Lonely Planet said that religion permeates everyday life, um, as witnessed when you hear the call to prayer echo from the mosques. Um, and it's also home to some beautiful examples of Islamic architecture, um, and it holds on to um, the heritage of other religions as well that helped it become a um, vibrant caravan town. Had you ever heard of Marrakesh before? I had never heard of it. And from what I'm reading, it looks like it's one of those places that you either love or you hate. I would say that's probably true. Yeah. Um, it also sounds like it, it'd be one of those places that as a female traveler, you have to be kind of wary of and make sure that, you know, you read a lot of like local law enforcement and stuff that's like that. That's probably true too. The big thing, again, that, that Lonely Planet kind of made it seem like was available in Marrakesh, at least the, the things to do and experience, is the markets. I think they're called souks, S-O-U-Q. Um, but basically, they're like individual vendors, I believe, and they sell like local crafts that, that people make. You know, this could be like a, a carpet or, you know, Moroccan spices or just, you know, pottery that's made locally. Um, but these markets, um, there's one main market, I guess you could say. It's called the Medina, and it spans 19 kilometers. And it's just filled with these vendors, and it's, it's, it seems pretty uh, overwhelming, and you can get lost pretty easily in it. So, um, but it seems, like looking at pictures, it looks, looks really cool, especially during like nighttime and twilight. Yeah, it sounds like some of the markets just get really crazy, and, you know, people try to make you buy things and make you pay for taking photos of them and that sort of thing. Like, they'll try to put, like, monkeys or snakes around your shoulders and then charge you for it, mm -hmm. uh, even if you don't, you know, want it. Yeah. Um, again, it's it seems like it's super cultural. It's super unique. It's probably the most, maybe the most unique out of any destination. I, again, that's subjective. But um, yeah, really, really different from all the other ones. Yeah, it sounds like you can also book pretty luxurious accommodations for fairly cheap too. Yeah. So yeah. that that's kind of cool. I'd be interested. I'd be interested in like learning a bit more about it and maybe like looking into actually traveling there. Mm -hmm. But I would say like just right off the bat, it's not like I'd rather go to Bora Bora. Yeah, it would be another continent to knock off the list. It's in Africa, so <laughs> this is true. What are the top threes? So number three is mastering the maze of the Medina. So again, you can kind of get lost in in the Medina. But um, again, there's a bunch of different cool things you can buy. I'm sure there's food vendors too, so you can try a bunch of different food. Um, so mastering the maze is, is number three. Number two is the Bahia Palace, which is the uh, oldest palace in Marrakesh. Um, and it's one of the city's most eye-popping site. It was built in the 1860s. Um, I'm assuming for royalty... Um, it's got, um, I think the, the main like area is um, filled with granite. Um, so it's, I think, just a really beautiful palace. Um, I didn't read a bunch about what you could do there. Um, but yeah, it seems like it's, it's, it's a super cool place to, to travel to. Yeah, it um, looks really be beautiful, the, the pictures of the Bahia Palace. Yeah, mm -hmm, that's the one I saw too. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it would be really interesting to go, yeah. for sure. Uh, number one is, and I'm definitely going to pronounce this wrong, the Jama El Fina, which is the main square in Marrakesh. And it's kind of, I think the Medina is kind of within this place, or I think this is kind of where you go into the Medina, this square. 
Um, but it's the main square of Marrakesh, and it's it's the top thing to do there. Interesting. So. Yeah, I think that's where I was reading about, like, the monkeys and the snakes and Probably, stuff. Probably, yeah. Yeah, because it sounds like it gets absolutely insane there, and it is a tourist trap. But it looks um, really pretty. But, yeah, it does look really interesting. I think the thing that about going to Marrakesh is that it would be a complete culture shock. Mm-hmm. It yeah. seems so different from any other place we have been. Yeah, it would definitely be a culture shock. Definitely different than anywhere we've been. We've never really been to, well, we've never been to Africa, but we've never really been to, um, I feel like we've never really been to like places that are super cultural. I think Costa Rica would be probably the main um, cultural destination we've been to, but even the places we went there were kind of touristy. So I feel like this would be like you're in the culture, you're, it's just different than anywhere we have ever been before. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'd be really interested in experiencing it. Um, and it's just kind of one of those things that it, it, I would definitely add it to the list. I just hope we get to everything on our list. Yeah, it's pretty big. <laughs> it's pretty big. Yeah. All right, number five is Dubai. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so Dubai is in the United Arab Emirates. From what I've read, I've read not just from Lonely Planet, but other sources, it seems like Dubai is pretty much tourism on steroids like they each each new thing in dubai tries to outdo the the previous thing um and so it seems a bit overwhelming uh, it seems super accommodating to uh tourists and another big thing to do in uh, dubai is shopping that was prevalent in in the book that you just gave me which is called overbooked talks a bit about dubai um, but also lonely planet shopping is one of the big things to do there which i'm not really a huge shopper I don't think you are either. Nah, I, I mean, I like to go to cute little boutiques and things that are like local artisans, like that sort of thing. But I don't really like the high-end shopping. Yeah. And it seems like it's mainly luxury high-end shopping and nightlife stuff. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to the point of, you know... We things, old. We old, yeah. But that it also goes back to the, what we were talking about before, where do, things in Dubai just try to outdo each other. Um, probably same thing goes with with shopping and luxury and stuff. And actually, um, in some of the, uh, the stuff I was reading in Lonely Planet, it talked about the, some things that were offered in some of the shopping malls in Dubai. One of them is some, is like a, uh, a ski slope in one of the shopping malls. Um, there's also a giant aquarium in another shopping mall. Um, so just things like that where you, like, you don't picture these things in shopping malls. Uh, Dubai just does it just because it's cool and unique and it's trying to outdo everybody else. And also the world's tallest building is in Dubai. So hmm. again, it, it's it's very much outdooring, out, outdoing all other tourist destinations or it tries to outdo all other tourist destinations. Yeah, I like how on Traveler.com it says uh, Dubai. It's a big and brash, flashy and ostentatious. It's a supercar traffic jam on a big city street. It's a $1,000 bottle of champagne when a cheap sparkling would do. It's the biggest, the best, and the most expensive of everything. At least that's what people expect when they arrive in this Middle Eastern metropolis. Dubai is supposed to be small on culture and big on bling. It's here for a good time, not a long time, and it doesn't mind telling you so. Yeah, and that's kind of what I've read before, too. And it kind of seems like Vegas, but to another level. And we're yeah. not we're not big life t- nightlife people. We're not big shoppers. We're not big on luxury stuff. So we like the culture. 
Yeah, so I don't know if Dubai would be super high on our list, but it would be cool to see just because there's a lot of unique things to do, like the world's tallest building or some of the things in the shopping malls look cool, like the ski slope, but I don't think we would... I don't think... It's not on the top of our list. I feel like if we were... This is going to sound funny. If we were in the area, I'd stop yeah, over. I don't know when we're going to be in the United Arab Emirates just in the area. <laughs> I don't but, know. Apparently, um, the food is good and cheap. Um, it's good and expensive. There aren't many locals. You can drink a lot. Uh, the weekend begins on Friday with brunch. Um, and I guess there is history in Dubai. Yeah, and so... That transitions into the top things to do there. The number three thing is called El Fahidi, which is the historic district in Dubai. Um, and it's a restored heritage area. It's quiet. Um, apparently, you can't hear a bunch of noise and cars there, which is kind of cool. Um, the walking lanes are pretty narrow. Um, the, the houses are sand-colored. And it contains museums and craft shops, cultural exhibits, cafes, art galleries, and two boutique hotels. So that would be super cool to go to. Yeah. Because uh, that is more dealing with the culture and history of the place. So. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, number two, just shopping. That's what, <laughs> shopping, shopping, shopping. That's what number two is. And again, like, we're <laughs> not big shoppers, so it's... Again, the shopping is going to be different there just because it's so high-end and so, I guess, just outdoing everybody else. But that's not the type of shopping we like to do anyway. No. Nah. We're kind of cheap. At least I'm really cheap. Um, so. Well, again, I like to do like the small, like local trinkets that someone painstakingly created. Yeah, you know, that's what I like. Yeah. So shopping is number two, and number uh, number one is Burj Khalifa, which is the world's tallest building. Okay. So that would be super cool to see, just because it's the world's tallest building. So I think it'd be interesting to go to. Um, something that I'm reading right now is that it's not a city for walking. And yeah. that makes it really difficult considering there's so many people there, which means there's a lot of traffic. And then you also can't really walk anywhere. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. All right, take it off. What's the next one? Okay, number four is Rome. Ooh. So okay, I can go behind Rome. So Rome was listed on five different websites. And I'll say Dubai was mentioned on four. Its average rank was 14 and a half. So it didn't have a super high average rank for how many times it was mentioned. Right. But it was mentioned four times. Rome was mentioned five times out of the six websites, and it had an average rank of 7.8. So pretty high ranking, decently high ranking, and it was mentioned on almost every website. So um, Rome heard different things about it. Um, some people really like it. Nick and Marissa, who were on the podcast not too long ago, really liked it. Campbell, um, I think he's been to Rome. I think he really liked it. Um, I think the majority of people that I know that have been there have liked it. Yeah. I've also heard that it's stinky in some areas, but yeah. isn't every big city. Yeah, and one thing that I read on Lonely Planet is that it's kind of, it made it sound like the city planning in Rome was super, not poor, it was just, it said Rome is the culmination of two or three thousand years of urban development. So in that respect, you've got the Colosseum, which is kind of in the middle of the city, like it's not, it's not like outside of the city it's not it's it's not its own thing it's within the city um so that's kind of what they mean there um but i think Rome would be super cool just for its history its culture um its food um so i think rome is a place where you can do almost anything yeah it really seems like it i mean it's italian so of course you have the delicious food and 
the gelato and, mm-hmm. you know, all that sort of like history and culture to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I am kind of sad that when we go to Italy, we won't be going to Rome. Yeah, I think Rome is one of the things on the bucket list for sure, just because of how much history. I mean, the Roman Empire obviously started in Rome. You've got, you know, just a bunch of different artists who made their way in Rome. Um, it was the the epitome of culture at one point in history. So I think it'd be super cool just just for that aspect. It, even if all the other, even if it's not the most clean city, even if it kind of smells, all that other stuff I think would make Rome really desirable to travel to. Yeah, I, I think it'd be really interesting to go to. I, I mean, honestly, this goes back to just we always travel to Europe but there's a reason why. I mean, it has the culture that we love, like the different cultures that we love. It has the architecture, which is just so impressive. Mm-hmm. I would love to see the Colosseum. Yeah. Yeah. And Lonely Planet also describes Rome as a hearty mix of ruins, awe-inspiring art, and vibrant street life. One of the world's most romantic and charismatic cities. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. Um, it also said... Uh, that um, there's great fine dining in Rome too, but one thing you really got to do is just go to the local pizza places because they make pizza like nowhere else. So. It's kind of like everywhere though. Like people are always looking like, what's the best place? What's the best restaurant to go to? And uh, I mean, I agree. Like you can definitely get a lot of really good food, but sometimes it's those hole in the wall places that yeah. no one tells you about because it's only for locals. Mm-hmm. That you end up at that are the best. Yeah, well, like in Seattle, I forget what that vegan place we ate was, um, but it's kind of outside. The, it's kind of not necessarily in a suburb, but it's definitely outside the main city. It's definitely outside of downtown. Yeah, like no tourists. Yeah, the food was great. It was fantastic. So, yeah, kind of to your point. So, um, yeah, Rome, definitely want to travel there. Definitely on the bucket list. Top three things to do? Uh, number three is the Vatican. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, the epicenter of Catholicism. Whether you're a Catholic or not, I think it'd just be awesome to go to the Vatican. Uh, Number two is the Pantheon, which uh, is a 2,000-year-old temple. I mean, I'm sure most people know what it is, Um, but it's it's now a church, and it's the best-preserved monument in Rome. Yeah, it looks just gorgeous. I think it'd be really interesting to visit that. Agreed. Number one, no surprise, Colosseum. It's it's the most iconic of, of Roman architecture. It's it's pretty well preserved for how old it is. Yeah. And just how much in the city it is. So, yeah. Super impressive. I would love to see the Colosseum. And, you know, I mean, so would a million other people. So that is one thing that, you know, I would say about Rome that I've heard, I've read. It is really touristy. Mm-hmm. On In my opinion, it gets a little dinged for that. And that's probably one of the reasons why we aren't going there this trip. Yeah. But I, I, for being a big touristy city, it seems like it still has a lot of culture too. So. Oh, yeah. I just meant that, you know, sometimes you go somewhere and it's just so flooded with tourists that it's not as enjoyable as when you are able to go somewhere that does not have as many tourists. Yeah. So. Agreed. Yeah. All right, number three. All right, baby, give me number three. So number three is my t- it, number three is my number one. Ooh, it's London. Oh well, that makes sense. Yeah, London is probably the my. It's it probably, only made number three. Well, so it was listed on five sites as well as with Rome, um, and its average rank was four point four. So it was ranked really highly on all the websites it uh, appeared on, but. Out of all the places we've traveled to, I think London is probably my top. 
I love London. Um, I mean, I'm a little biased because I'm British and I also have family there, <laughs> but I adore London. I love getting tea. I love walking around. I mean, it's just, it's lovely. And yeah. I love the weather. I know that people complain about the clouds and the gray and everything, but personally, I kind of love it. Yeah, I love cloudy weather. I love cloud, cloudy, dreary, kind of rainy weather. And London is just, it's its a modern city. It's like you can do anything you want to do in London or in the world, you can find in London. Uh, Lonely Planet said that there's 270 different ethnicities in London and 300 languages that are spoken. Yeah. Obviously, insane. English is the universal language in London because it's England. Yeah, it's uh, it, its just a cool city. Um, I loved walking around. It was always, it's super clean for a big city. Um, the locals were friendly. The underground was really easy to navigate and people were just kind of polite. So that's kind of what set, separates London for me. My favorite soccer team is also in London, Arsenal. So go Gunners. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so. I think that one thing, um, you know, that you were you were talking about people being polite and they just are. They're just so polite. At least all of my experience there has been. And again, maybe a little biased. But one good example is everywhere else in Europe that we've been, when you go to get on the, the metro or the underground, people just push and shove to get on and get off. But in London, you wait until everyone has come off of the tube before you go onto the tube. Yeah. Like, you just you just kind of wait. It's just polite. Yeah. Plus, I mean, just the way they lay out the, the underground, it's really easy to navigate. It probably helps that we speak English. But, um, yeah, just like the maps and, and just the way it's it's laid out is really easy to, to navigate. And so, yeah, you don't... And Paris is kind of the same way. Now, Paris is a mad rush in the underground, so... Um, but I feel like it's, it, the, the, it's easy to f figure out how to get to where you want to go. Yeah, definitely. I think it's an amazing place to go coming back to London or not back to, but going to London after being in a bunch of different countries that spoke not English, yeah. um, was like a godsend. Mm -hmm. I, I remember just being like, oh my God, English. Oh yeah. That is one other night. Cause like with. Like, we've been to Barcelona, which I can speak a little Spanish, not great, but enough to get by. Same thing with Costa Rica. I feel like the locals were pretty accommodating in Costa Rica, so it wasn't super difficult. But when you go into a different country with a different language, it's just stressful because you feel bad that you can't communicate with the locals. Yeah. And some of them, like, some of them help, out, help you out. Some of them are understanding. Some of them are not. And so going to a place where you know the language is just a big stress relief. Yeah. And I mean, I, we've always gone above and beyond to try to like learn the language of the place we're going to like Germany and France and you know, all that kind of stuff. But even learning as much as you can, like you can only retain so much when you're not practicing it. Yeah. And we, so, we only really learn the basics, you know, like how do you, get to the restaurants uh, do you speak english i don't speak your language i'm sorry so we really only know the basics yeah so that that's definitely something to point out but what are the top three things to do in london uh so top three things um we've never been to, to any of these that's um, so depressing yeah they're most they're very uh museum art gallery type stuff so number three is the national gallery which is an art gallery um again we can't really speak to a whole lot of these things because we've never been there um 
Number two is the Tate Modern, which is also an art gallery. And number one is the British Museum. Now, again, we're not big art gallery or museum people. Like, we'll go there and we'll enjoy... Like, if it's a museum we, we, we really want to go to, we'll go there. And I think they're super cool when we go. But it's just not... Like, I really like to walk around cities. I like to go to restaurants. Uh, I'm not a... I feel like when you're in a museum and... Like, we can go to one museum in a destination, but I feel like when you're in a museum, you're not in the culture. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Um, I, I know a lot of people who have lived in different countries that did go to the museums quite frequently, but I do kind of get the sense that the majority of the time, the people in the museums are tourists. Yeah. Even if they're from maybe a different city in the same country. Yeah. Um, you know, but they're still, they're still tourists. They're still there. You're, it's kind of a solitary thing. I feel like going to like an art gallery or a museum, it's kind of solitary. Yeah. I do. I mean, I do think they're really interesting. So I would be interested to try to go to one of those when we're there in March. Yeah. Um, sure. But yeah. There's also stuff that we haven't done in London before that I'd like to go to. Like we didn't really see Big Ben when we were there. I think Big Ben's going to be under construction when we go there in March. Um, but I'd like to go see that. Um, maybe the London Eye, too. Um, but we did see Buckingham Palace, which I'm happy we wanted to see there. Yeah, we just happened to come across it when we were walking. But did you know that Big Ben is not actually called Big Ben? No. It's meant to go by the name of the clock tower. Oh. And Big Ben is the name of the bell. Hmm. So. Interesting. Okay, so that was London. Um, again, that's probably my number one. Um, number two is a destination we've never been to, but we... Well, you've technically been to it. Mexico. I, no. Canada. No. Um, you've technically been to it. I've never been there. New York City. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. I've only been to the airport, though, so I guess technically I've been there. Yeah, but you haven't really been there, so... Yeah, I'd love to go. We keep talking about it, doing like a quick trip. Yeah, that's, I mean, New York is always the one we talk about. Well, we're going to go there this year. We, you know, like we, we say we're going to go all the time and we just never do. Yeah, I would love to, though. I would love to go to see um, a Broadway play mm -hmm. and oh, it would just be amazing. Yeah, New York is another one of those places where anything you can think of doing, it's in New York. It's the epicenter of art, culture arts well i said art already architecture um you know food you know it's got great restaurants so it's really the uh, epitome of anything you want to do it, it's it's in new york you can do it so um yeah one of the the things that lonely planet recommended because new york is so big and so diverse and so almost overwhelming in a way is to pick a neighborhood and just explore that neighborhood on foot for the day so if you want to go to chinatown stick in chinatown for the entire day if you're going to go to another neighborhood soho just do that for the day and just explore that way hell yeah i love it what are the top three things to do uh top three uh number three uh just neighborhood rambling so again just pick a neighborhood go travel to it go try the restaurants go in the shops that sort of thing number two central park Central Park sounds amazing. Yeah, for obvious reasons. And number one, again, pretty obvious, Statue of Liberty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always kind of forget that's there. Oh. <laughs> I mean. Well, because I think of New York, I think of Central Park, really, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I would want to see that, too. That's awesome. 
I'm so glad New York actually made the list. Go America. Yeah, that's our only one. Okay, I'm dying to know. What is number one? So number one, I think, is also your number one, which Ooh. is Paris. Oh, ah, the city of love, the city yeah. of lights. So Paris, again, mentioned on all six sites that I went to, and its average rank was 4.8. So it was pretty highly ranked on all the websites I went to. That is awesome. Paris is so beautiful. I remember when we first got there, we were just like so excited. Like we found our Airbnb and we were exhausted, but we were too excited to like go to sleep. So we we went and walked around. And I remember just <clears throat> seeing the Eiffel Tower in the distance. Mm -hmm. And we got so excited that we after dinner decided to go to it. Yeah. Um, and we did we had no idea where we were going. I mean, I think we had maps offline on one of our phones. Yeah, and I think we just went to the underground and tried to find our way there, and we just made our way there. Yeah, like, we have, we eventually found it. I think we kind of kept popping up. We probably, if we had had data and maps and that kind of thing, could have found it a lot easier yeah. and definitely closer. Because I remember coming out of the metro and seeing it, and I was like, is there any way we could be closer to this? Because, geez, we've been walking so long. Yeah. And I did expect to be underwhelmed by the Eiffel Tower, and I was totally not. Like, oh. I was pretty, it was pretty overwhelming how cool it was. Yeah, I loved it so much. I thought it was gorgeous. It was breathtaking. Um, you know, you have to be really careful about all of the merchants that are trying to sell you things and push things on you underneath the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Um, Kyle, this guy was trying to get Kyle to buy Mia Rose. Kyle kept saying no. We kind of like kept walking. And then he kind of just like put it in my hand. And he said, for you, for you. No, no, it's okay for you. And I was like, what? And he just, you know, and here I am like holding it. And we're like, okay. And he's like, four euros. Yeah. And I'm like, you were the one that put it in her hand. We didn't accept this. And we said no, like three times. Yeah. We eventually paid the man, but. Yeah, I mean, I got the rose. Kyle was grumpy about it for like an hour, though. No, it's just because we were penny-pinching, because that was, like, we both didn't have great jobs at that point. That's true. We were young youngins traveling. Yeah, and we were like three weeks in Europe, so we were kind of running low on money, and we don't didn't have the money to spend five bucks, four bucks on a rose. It's true, but the, the picture that we got on the top of the Eiffel Tower of me with the rose is pretty epic. Yeah. I'll share that on my Patreon, so definitely check that out, guys. Yeah. But, okay, cool. I'm super pumped that Paris is one of, is the top travel destination, according to your, your uh, non-scientific research. Yeah. Um, and I'll say, like, the top, like, for the most part, this list seems pretty on point. You know, it's got a mix of tropical, it's got a mix of cultural, a destination I've never heard of before. You know, the top three, New York, London, and Paris seems like a decent like it seems like a pretty consensus top three yeah i would agree i i think that it has something for everyone for sure so even if you know like europe isn't your thing there's a ton of other places you could go or even if like tropical isn't your thing there's also a ton of a ton of other places on this list that would work just as well yeah are we gonna do top three for paris yeah so number three and these are all totally not uh not surprising number three is the louvre yeah. Mm -hmm. Number two was Arc de Triomphe. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like. I really liked the Arc de Triomphe. It was very pretty. It was just... 
I don't know, just everything about Paris to me was kind of like big and bold and yeah. inspiring. And that's what I remember about Paris is just it's it's a beautiful city to walk around in. The architecture is really unique, really just cool. It's the main part of Paris. I think there's an ordinance where you can't build above five or six stories. So it's it's just got its own unique style to it. Um, so it's just a really cool place to walk around. The food is great. Um, the food's delicious. Yeah. Uh, just a really peaceful city, I want to say. Like, it's bustling, for sure, but it's just, it's kind of... There's something about it that's calming, Yeah, I think. that's There's something about it that's, like, low-key and just, you know, take it easy. Yeah. You know? And that's you, kind of the French culture, too. Yeah. You dine for, like, two hours. Yeah. It's insane. Well, and that was one experience we had, too, where we were uh, at a restaurant. I think we started eating about 7 o'clock in the evening, which is... I want to say fairly standard maybe a little early for them but we stayed until like 9 30 10 and yeah. the, the other thing that was prevalent in paris and really a lot throughout europe is you don't see the waiter unless you call him and so you get oh. to kind of enjoy your food you I kind forgot of forgot about that that is amazing you get to enjoy your experience in the restaurant it's not you don't start to get in the conversation and you're then the waiter comes through not not bothers you but just asks if you need anything asks if you want more water asks if you want more food whereas this it's like you eat your meal you drink your drink if you need something you call them over they're there to help and it's it's more it's more peaceful well and they're very very attentive like like i kind of forget like so in 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 america you know everyone always is like oh here's your check when you're ready no rush but, they but like, you know, you kind of feel a little rushed, especially if the restaurant's busy. Well, yeah, they for sure. Like, if the restaurant is busy, they're like, yeah, we need to get out of here. But no, like, they don't want to be mean about it, but they want to turn the table over. Yeah. Whereas there, it's like, no, this is your meal. You get to enjoy it how you want to enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, like, this is your table for as long as you want to stay. And it's not hard to get a waiter over to you, you know? It's just, I remember, like, kind of looking around for, like, two seconds, and then he was there yeah so anyway that's what i remember about paris um but the number one experience is the eiffel tower yeah which, that makes no sense surprise. yeah no surprise no surprise well awesome i mean the, i think this has been an awesome episode i hope that you guys have loved hearing about the top 10 travel destinations and uh, kyle thanks so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge yeah it was fun i'll be on shortly oh will you now yeah hey guys we've converted him just give me another topic to research okay so it's the research it's the research that matters yeah hey if you guys loved this episode definitely check out um the other episodes and the patreon exclusive episodes you can go to patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com and search wanderwear lost now you do have to pledge to be a patron but there are exclusive episodes exclusive content that you can have access to if you do that do go that route um, of course, you can also listen to this episode and every other episode on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and WanderWearLost.com. 